Hey, good morning. It is a blessing and joy to see all of you here at Glenlock today. Um, I know it's a busy, busy time of year, and we are grateful that uh, you're spending your morning here at Glenlock in worship with us. A um, couple of announcements, but let me go ahead and get probably the main, the main announcement for someone in this room. Uh, a, a cell phone was found in the men's bathroom. <laughs> so if you're missing a cell phone, guys, I assume it's a guy. Uh, sorry, that's bad. Um, check for your phone, and I think Alan has it, correct? Alan, do you have the cell phone? Oh, it's on the, it's on the Welcome Center? Okay. If you're missing your phone, um, it's at the Welcome Center. Okay, and another one that's not in your bulletins, Becky Gaskamp and Betty Keaton are collecting purses. They can be used, um... For the food pantry Tuesday. The food pantry is going to be open Tuesday. And so they're going to give out purses, um, new or used, that are filled with hygiene items or other ladies' items that would be found in a purse. You can bring those tonight. We will have uh, adult Bible study tonight. And youth will also meet with us tonight. We have a guest speaker coming, so I hope you'll come back. But uh, you can bring those purses tonight or tomorrow morning from 10 to 12 in the fellowship hall. They're going to collect those and, and gather those and then give those out Tuesday. Miss Becky, will you raise your hand? If anybody's got a question, you can see Miss Becky uh, Gaskamp. Today at 5, our deacons will meet. As I said earlier, we will have adult and youth tonight at 6. Then the other announcement, Tuesday evening, Christmas Eve, we will have our candlelight service, which will also include communion. Uh, during that service as well. Today, as you leave, we're taking for the second Sunday the Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offering for missions. And at any point this month, you could give to that just by noting that with your offering. And I think that's it. Let's open in prayer. And then, hey, for another Sunday, I know a few Sunday nights ago, we, we got to see our choir and our children lead our worship. And they're going to do that again this morning. So, Catherine, why don't you come ahead, and uh, I'll pray. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> it's always good to begin with prayer, isn't it? Uh, Father, we're so grateful for just who you are and, and your love for each of us, and we're grateful that we could take time this morning to, to pause in our schedules and do what you've commanded us to do with, with our whole life, and that is to, to rejoice in you, to worship you, to glorify you, and know you. Thank you for our choirs, and what they've prepared that will touch our hearts and our minds. Thank you for sending Christ. Thank you for loving us and, and planning salvation and sending Jesus to, to die for us and, and to live a perfect life. And God, you raised him from the dead. And may our joy be found completely in who you are and what you've done on our behalf. Uh, bless this service, and may all of us be edified and strengthened by what we participate in today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
come stand and sing with us this morning. This is going to be several carols, you know.
Amen. Whoa. Fortunately, that's not the message on the floor here. If you children want to go to children's church, you can at this time, because I know there is someone, Miss Fanny has children's church ready, I think, for you guys. Any children at this point who want to leave for children's church certainly can. Adults, you're stuck in here with me. Just for a few minutes, I want us to think about this story and the reality of this story and what that means for our lives. So as the children leave, let's the rest of us turn to Luke chapter 2. This was referred to in what our choir just presented, and I'm so grateful for it was such a Christ-centered presentation. If you listen to the passages that were read about Jesus, those passages from John 1 and the book of Colossians and Luke, those are all very powerful passages which tell us more about who Christ is and why he came. Uh, But I want to focus for a few minutes on Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 20 and the fact that for this particular Sunday of Advent, we need to think about why this is the great good news. It's good news of a great joy. So I want us to think about where our personal joy comes from and how we have responded to this story. Okay, So Luke chapter 2 beginning with verses, with verse 1 through verse 20. It came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. It came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you, here it is, good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They came in haste found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, 
they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. We'll stop there. That, that reading is, is so familiar to many of us that some of you can just, you know, repeat this in your minds even ahead of time as I read it. But, but let's think for just a moment about why this is good news of a great joy. Notice that in the ordinary, mundane things of life, like keeping watch over shepherds, paying taxes, registering for the census, and so forth and so on, God intervenes in a powerful way. He intrudes into human history, and Emmanuel, God with us, He comes down to us to live and begin His life as a human being, as a baby born in a feed trough. Let's think for just a moment about the troubled world that we live in. There's trouble within and there's trouble without, okay? Before we can truly praise and celebrate the good news, we must remind ourselves as we feel it daily of the bad news. One thing to notice in this story is how terrified the shepherds were initially at God's announcement. This was glory. This was good. This was angelic. It was divine. It was supernatural. But they are, in the words of the, the, the Charlie Brown Christmas story version, the shepherds are sore afraid. But it wasn't just them. We can see shepherds as non-religious people. And we've raked the shepherds over the coals before in sermons as to how untrustworthy they were. But even Zacharias, in the beginning of Luke's gospel, as he was praying in the temple, when an angel appeared to him, it says, he was troubled when he saw him, and fear gripped him. He was terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. You'll have joy and gladness. Zacharias is thinking, I don't have joy and gladness yet. Where is it? This doesn't seem happy to me. Not just Zacharias, but Mary. The Bible says in Luke Luke 129 that she was greatly troubled at this statement. The message to her. Mary, you found favor with God. Zacharias eventually found joy. Mary eventually came to joy. In fact, her song, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. And here we are with the shepherds. They go from fear and terror to sharing good news. Why were they so terrified, Zacharias, Mary, the shepherds, Joseph, all the characters of the Christmas story because there's an infinite distance between humans and God. He's glorious. We lack His glory. He's perfect. He's supernatural. He's divine. We're in trouble. 
So when God condescends to humanity and shines His glory, the initial response is fear, wonder, and terror. Because the Bible says it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Our God is a consuming fire. So when we receive bad news or disappointing news, we know why there's fear and terror. But we're so sinful and fallen that even the best news ever at first seems terrifying to us. We're not used to God. We don't know God. We're terrified of God because we're sinners living in a sinful, fallen, broken world. I don't want to depress us, but I just want us to think for just a few minutes about some of the bad news that's out there. And I'm going to present this in the form of these are a few of the prayer requests I've gotten over the last two weeks, okay? So I'm just going to share my heart with us for a moment so that we can see that we are desperately, all of us, in need of good news. A couple weeks ago, I got the call about the death of a distant cousin who had a lifelong battle with a drug addiction. It took its toll on him, and it took its toll, took its toll on his family. So a couple of weeks ago, we had his funeral, and you know, Christmas seems to be a very difficult time for families to have a funeral. So we had that loss, and then at the end of the service, as I mingled about with the people, there was a lady who was there that was obviously touched by what took place during the service, and she just broke broke down in tears, became very emotional at the loss of her own husband a year ago. Got a call recently about a woman who has a daughter who has just found out she has stage 4 cancer. Got another call, a prayer request, about an in-law who has a felony charge and all the implications this is going to have on their family. There are other people we are aware of who are continually, currently in battle with leukemia and its treatments and the effect on them and their body and their family. There's another alienated family member who's been missing. There's another who has a grandfather who passed out in the floor and was taken to ICU. Then another call about a woman who was a caregiving wife, mother, and grandmother. She died. Another woman's in pain from knee replacement surgery. There's a couple looking for safety in a closet because tornadoes are coming toward their town. There's another with a difficult family issue involving a child custody battle. There's another with a pending stressful court case. That doesn't include the daily stress of the holidays, the frustrations, the disappointments, the the political situation with news of impeachment. Stop it already, right? That's just stuff that that I'm aware of. That's just a a drop in, in the ocean. That's enough about our troubled world. All of us are guilty, lonely, empty, insecure, and afraid of death. You are. I am. We're guilty. We've broken God's law. We've sinned against Him. We've failed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're all lonely. We're seeking companionship, and we deal with the breakdowns of relationships. We're all empty. We're seeking meaning and fulfillment. We are all insecure. I promise you, you're not hiding it that well. And we live with this lingering fear of death. 
The message of the Bible is that we cannot save or rescue ourselves. We've alienated ourselves. We've been driven away from His glory. We have nothing in ourselves to cope with these realities. You and I need a Savior. And the message of Christmas is that God has sent His Son to rescue us and save us. That's the good news. That's the great good news. So in the background, in the context of a troubled world with troubled people, we have what the angels announced to these shepherds, good news of great joy. What does this mean? It means God cares. In fact, one pastor said, God is so committed to your ultimate joy that he was willing to plunge into the greatest depths of suffering himself for you. He's faithful. Do y'all remember when we were in Genesis and God made this promise a long time ago? Is He going to come through? Is He going to finally send the Messiah? My 14-year-old Jake got his braces off this past week. (laughs) He had those things on three and a half years. You want to take them off today or you want to wait till January? What do you think the answer is to that? Three and a half years he promised at some point they were going to come off and the dentist finally came through. God made a promise in eternity past. This is a a commitment and a covenant that God, God will come through with all of his promises. He's faithful. And he's rescuing. Why is his name Jesus? Because that name means Yahweh is salvation. And he will save his people from their sins. I wish we could fully break this down. But today in the city of David, a Savior has been born. A child, Christ the Lord for all the people. All to the glory and praise of God the Father. This is... The joy of heaven, the joy of God coming down to us because we could not climb up. We could not rescue ourselves. And let's think for in Christ, we have freedom from those other aspects I mentioned that are enemies of our joy. In Jesus is freedom from guilt because he has purchased and granted to us forgiveness and we in Christ can be covered with his righteousness. No condemnation. The message of Christmas is a message of forgiveness, past, present, and future. It seems almost too good to be true. Freedom from loneliness. He has adopted us into His family. We now have eternal companionship with God and His people. Freedom from insecurity. We're holy and dearly loved. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He is with us always, even to the end of the age. Freedom from emptiness. Mary said he has filled the hungry with good things. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Freedom from death. The gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but but the, the gift of God is eternal life. Immortality through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here at Christmas, it often magnifies grief and suffering and pain. But let's also magnify the good news of great joy, which is the bigger story 
that transcends all the other smaller stories. Does that make sense? These are realities, these prayer requests, these difficulties. But there's a larger, bigger truth that trumps them all. I was recently confronted on a Sunday night in my office about some of the realities of Christmas versus some of the myths of Christmas. You with me, adults? If I've been at my son, <laughs> I came clean. <laughs> I confessed. Bennett said, That is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. That there's a reality that's out there that's greater than all the myths. Because we're sitting here and we're thinking, yeah, what they sang is really good, but, but is it true? <laughs> is it really true? Is there a story out there that transcends all the other stories that, that is the source of the, the desire for life and immortality and forgiveness? Is there a story out there that is eternal and unchanging that we can count on and hope in in a difficult, troubled world? Is this all really true? Because it seems very troubling and it seems wonderful and fearful. But as I presented my version of the empty tomb in Bethlehem, and every group that came through heard that the women at the tomb, when they first heard the news of the resurrection, they didn't react with joy. They were troubled. They were terrified. It was just like the reaction of this birth. The Bible says they could not believe it for joy. They had to have evidence. They had to have proof. And so they ran and they got Peter and John and they went into the tomb. Jesus himself had to appear to them to confirm the reality of the story. Because what God was doing at that moment in their lives and in history was so powerful and so glorious and so wonderful that they were terrified by it. But God brought them to joy. The same process at his birth was the same process at his resurrection. And it is God saying to us, I'm here to give you a joy unspeakable and full of glory. You need to believe it and accept it. There are a lot of myths and a lot of desires and a lot of stories. Why do we keep coming up with those and keep writing those? Because there's a truer story that can never be taken away that resides in the heart and the plan and the work of God. Let our joy this Christmas season come from His joy. The joy that exists in heaven as God rejoices over one person who comes and receives and believes in Christ. They go straight to Bethlehem and see for themselves. They find their way to the baby. They begin to share and expound and multiply joy, glorifying and praising God for all that He's done and all that He's prepared. What's your response to the reality of what Christmas is really about? God has come down among us. He's entered into humanity entered into our suffering, entered into our pain and death. He's taken all that upon himself. He's lived a perfect life. He's been raised from the dead. All of our joy is to be found in that. 
Or maybe you're like the young guys who several years ago, we were picking up this guy and bringing him to church, picking up this guy, taking him home, picking up. And so it became my time to go get him. And I text and I says, you, uh, you coming to church with us tonight? You want me to stop by and get you? He said, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> no, <Nah>, I'm good. <laughs> I'm thinking, no, nah, you're not good. <laughs> no, you're not good. You don't recognize how desperately you need this, how desperately I need this. Um, this is what God has done for you. I can't respond for you. The choir can't respond for you. The shepherds can't respond for you. But I'm here to tell you, based on sound theology and personal experience, you're you're not you're not good. Left to yourselves, there's there there's nothing. Um, let's recognize that and confess that every single one of us. Let's let's bow for prayer, Father. So much more should and could be said about you and the joy that exists in you, and that you've come down to share with us to save us from sin and guilt and suffering and death. There's nothing in us or around us apart from you that can rescue us. We've got all these fruitless searches that we go on, finding or trying to find ultimate joy. It can only be found in you, and I'm grateful for the grace that has brought it down. Lord, if there's someone here this morning who's never prayed by faith to receive this gift, I pray that of all seasons... If they would just say in their heart of hearts and confess to you their sinfulness. Say, Lord, I know I'm a desperate sinner. I'm not good. I dwell among a, a people who are not good. We need you. And that they would see in Christ the salvation that we need. And confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart. God, that you raised him from the dead. Father, thank you that that is salvation for the soul of any man, woman, boy, or girl who would sincerely pray that and mean that and commit to that as, as followers of Christ. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for seeing us in our need and coming down to be a perfect Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing, What Child Is This, number 281. What is your personal response to Christ? What have you done with Christ? Where are you finding your joy? You come as we sing.
Amen. Please be seated. If our ushers would come now, we'll take our offering. 